the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Some of us scratch our heads and say, is there any justice? And the answer is yes, there is justice. Because if someone is not disciplined by the church for actions that are appropriate to discipline in the church, or they're not disciplined by our civic leaders for actions that should be disciplined by our civic leaders, they are going to stand before the judge. And God is going to bring discipline upon them. A sober reminder of just how faithful God is to His Word. Welcome to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. We are back in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It's there that we catch up with Pastor Leighton, looking once again at godly leaders. Join us there. Here's Pastor Leighton now with today's study, verse by verse, from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Every healthy church should be multi-generational. When a church ceases to attract and retrain, uh, retain and, 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 and train younger generations in leadership, then it's only a matter of time when that church becomes introverted and loses the ability to fulfill its part of the Great Commission to go and make disciples. Also, having multiple generations in a church makes the, the fellowship so much more rich because generations can learn from each other. <clears throat> Uh, Younger generations can teach older generations. They can teach us practical things about computers and how to operate technology that's sometimes required for living in this brave new world. And they can also stir within us the embers of idealism, which tend to cool with age. And older generations, they can teach younger generations how to navigate the twists and turns and rapids of life through the wisdom that they have gained from their successes and from their failures and from their study of God's Word. You see, generations have so much we can learn from each other. Now, Paul described Timothy as his beloved and faithful son. Um, you know, one of the things that I have learned in life is that respect is a two-way street. Uh, When a parent demands respect from their children without giving respect, it doesn't take long for the kids to figure out that they can also withhold respect. And that's the fundamental issue that creates what is known as the generation gap. However, when a parent freely gives respect to their children, it is often reciprocated by their children. It's obvious here that there was a a relationship between Paul and Timothy that was based on mutual respect. Now, parents are supposed to be honored and imitated. In fact, throughout most of human history, children were expected to imitate their parents. You know, if a father was a cobbler, more often than not, the son turned uh, turned out to be a cobbler. If he was a merchant, then the son would turn out to be a merchant. If he was a farmer, then the son would turn out to be a farmer. My father's a pastor. I turned out to be a pastor. Paul was a church leader. Timothy turned out to be a church leader. But in our civilization today, we have uh, been conditioned to see when a son follows a father that 
they immediately think that it's the result of nepotism. You know, we live in a society today that encourages rebellion against all authority. In fact, in some subcultures, standing up against authority is rewarded as though it deserves some kind of badge of courage. But rebellion against legitimate authority is part of man's sinful nature, and it should never be rewarded. The Bible teaches that when those who are in authority are doing what is respectable, they should be respected. Respectable parents should be respected. Respectable church leaders should be respected. Respectable civic leaders should be respected. Verse 18, Now some of you become arrogant as though I were not coming to you. You know, when I read this, I remember words. You might have heard words similar to this when you were growing up. When I was little, I would hear mom say, just wait till your dad gets home. You see, when dad was gone, mom was in charge, but mom wasn't quite so intimidating as dad. And so I would sometimes find it a little too hard to keep my arrogant, rebellious nature in check. And when mom had had enough, she'd say something like, just wait till your dad gets home. And man, that would strike terror in my heart. Because when dad got home, he knew how to wield a belt. And so when I knew that dad was coming home, I'd go upstairs to my room and put on six pair of underwear. (laughs) And cardboard between the layers like an armor plate. And if I would have been older and smarter, I would have taken the aspirin before the pain. And what Paul is saying here is some of you are acting arrogant, disrespectful to those who have been placed in charge, like dad is not coming home. Dad is coming home. I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills. That's a recognition of God's sovereignty. And I will find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. And so... Faith that does not result in right living may have words. It might have lots of words, but it has no power. A person's true spiritual character is not uh, determined by the impressiveness of their words, but rather by the power that is manifest in their life. Verse 21, what do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod or with a love or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Now, most of the time when I found out dad was coming home, it was, it was a cause for celebration because I knew that uh, when he came home, we were going to have dinner. We were going to play some games. We were going to watch television, you know, things like My Three Sons, Father Knows Best, Mayberry RFD. That dates me, doesn't it? Well, um, in any event, those are great television programs. Now, that's what I had to look forward to if I had done what was right. If I had done what was wrong, then when Dad came home, I was expecting pain. How Dad came home was really my choice. You see, if I made the choice to do what was right and repent from what was wrong, then Dad coming home was a pleasure. But if I chose to do what was wrong... Dad's coming home was a pain. It really came down to my choice. I could either choose to exercise self-discipline or I would be disciplined. 
And when someone exercises self-discipline, they should not be disciplined. When my children come to me and, and they take the initiative and they confess their wrongs and they express their intention and desire to repent, I never discipline them. I always encourage them to continue doing what's right. And when someone comes to a church leader confessing and repenting of their sin and their disobedience, they should never be disciplined. They should be encouraged to continue the right course. It's when someone is non-repentant where discipline must be exercised by church leadership. Someone insists that they're not going to repent. They're not going to be humble. They're not going to get right before God. And in fact, Paul in the very next chapter has to deal with a situation where the church had failed to discipline someone that needed discipline. Sometimes when church leadership has to exercise discipline, they remain silent. And the person who's being disciplined will go out and they'll make all kinds of slanderous and spurious accusations against the leaders of the church, being unfairly treated, and so forth. And the church leaders try to remain silent because the church leader's desire is that someday that person will see the error of their way and make the decision to repent. And when that time comes... We want to welcome that person back into fellowship. There are some people who say, well, that that person, whoever they are, seems to always get away with stuff. They're at church. The church never disciplines them. Uh, They're always breaking the law. The law never disciplines them. You know, we've had some high-profile cases recently where there seemed to be a preponderance of evidence as to the guilt of the person, and yet they walk away from the courtroom free. And some of us scratch our heads and say, is there any justice? And the answer is yes, there is justice. Because if someone is not disciplined by the church for actions that are appropriate to discipline in the church, or they're not disciplined by our civic leaders for actions that should be disciplined by our civic leaders, they are going to stand before the judge. And God is going to bring discipline upon them. You know, I've been told that our, by, our, by our prison workers that our prisons are filled with geniuses. These are people who can figure things out. They could figure out how to make a living. They could figure out how to run a home. They could figure these things out. It's not that they're lacking intelligence. So why are they stuck in prisons? The reason these people are stuck in prisons is because they've never learned self discipline. And because they've never learned self-discipline, they have to be disciplined. And the prison provides the environment that disciplines them to do what they're supposed to do or tries to. Now, we're out of time today. We'll look forward to further study in this wonderful book of the Bible that God has given us. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we are so thankful for your word that gives us such clear guidance in so many areas of life and life hereafter. And Lord, we're so thankful that what you're looking for in church leadership is so carefully described in these passages. 
Lord, we do pray that you will bring many good and godly Christian leaders to Church of the Highlands because you have given us a great task and we need as many good and godly Christian leaders as we can, we can, we can have. But Lord, we also recognize that if we had an army of 10,000, that we could not do what you called us to do in our own strength, that we depend on you every hour of every day. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you never leave us nor forsake us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, friend, that closes out today's study verse by verse, our Monday broadcast, as we've been looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Our journey through this marvelous epistle will continue throughout the rest of this week. We trust you'll join us. In the meantime, to learn about us, Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, Pastor Layton, please visit our website, highlands.us. It's a great place to start if you'd like to get to know us just a little bit better. Again, that's highlands.us, highlands.us. And then as mentioned, come back and join us tomorrow as we continue our journey through 1 Corinthians here on Study Verse by Verse with our teacher and pastor, Leighton Sheely. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.